the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Uh, kind of pride myself on that. And uh, hopefully I've got something here to offer you as far as insights into the markets, uh, the economy, markets at all-time highs, which you do, markets at all-time lows, which should you do. One of the things that you know I think is conventional wisdom that sometimes – we don't practice, even though we should, is take a look at some of the best investors of all time. Unlike baseball, you know, yeah, you can get some advice from people in baseball, for instance, you know, you know, like you could put a, a tennis ball on a string in your house and uh, from the roof and practice swinging a bat. Uh, put the ball low, because it's tough to hit a low fastball. Really, really tough. Don't put it high. Don't make it easy. Put it low. Learn how to dig it out, per se. Uh, but that's not going to make you all, you know, you still need the genetics, to, the strength, you know, the training, all that kind of stuff. But you can get investment advice from, you know, just studying some of the best people of all time. You know, Peter Lynch, uh, Sam Zell, you know, the names keep coming again and again. Nathan Rothschild. Uh and I know you're saying Nathan Rothschild. Who's Nathan Rothschild? Well, you should know the name. So let me throw out some ideas for you on Nathan Rothschild. He was founder, and again, Peter Lynch, you're like, that's the 80s. And Carl Icahn, he's very big today as far as a famous investor. But Rothschild was a guy who, back in, in 1777, is when he was born, and he lived till. 1840, I think, somewhere in that range. He was founder of Rothschild and Sons. His big investment uh, idea was information's money. He had extensive network of carrier pigeons. He knew that England had defeated France at Waterloo before anyone else. As other traders on the stock exchange braced for a British loss, he went long. So, again, his bottom line information's money. His father planted the seeds for 19th century's greatest banking empire by stationing each of his sons in different European cities. Uh, Nathan, he got London. But throughout his career, he was able to you know, profit from the insights of his brothers in Frankfurt, Paris, Naples, and Vienna. Again, information network. He tapped into groups with their fingers on the pulse, considered shares in high-yielding private equity firms, uh, today is he was doing that, you know, 200 and uh, I don't know, 100, let's just say 200 years ago, 108 years ago. My math isn't magically on today. Um, so again, knowledge is power, and it goes way, way back. And I gave you two examples: one worth carrier pigeons where he was ahead of the game, and one with his brothers who lived in different cities. And, you know, they could write letters to each other and 
update each other on what's going on. What's going on? Um, taking a look at the markets today, um, as I'm wont to do. Oh, for the record, I heard a horrible story this morning. Just uh, I work at a news station, and uh, one of the news anchors was walking by. I said, hey, what's the big news today? And they said, yeah, there's a stab in San Jose, and you know, motorcyclist killed over here, and he had all of his, you know, things laid out. And then he goes, yeah, there was a girl and her dad went to the beach in Miami, and a small plane crashed, and he died yesterday, and she died today. And I'm like, whoa. Again, I bring up stories like that just to, again, remind you, crazy stuff happens. And I I don't want to, like, dwell on that, but it does. So you have to prepare for worst-case scenarios. S&P 500's up 5 today. Dow's up 66. The Nasdaq up 23. There's a new study out that says 35% in the United States are facing debt collections. More than a third of Americans reported to collection agencies for unpaid bills and debts. Now, I don't know how true this number is, but if that's true, you know, like, again, I may be reported to a collection agency for, you know, not paying a dental bill seven years ago because it was sent to the wrong address. I, I don't know. I'm not saying that's like the case, but maybe. More than 35% of Americans have debts and unpaid bills that have been reported to collection agencies. Consumers tend to fall behind on credit cards or hospital bills. Hospital bills are a big one. Mortgages, auto loans, student debt has piled up unpaid. Past due gym memberships uh, and cell phone contracts, they can end up with a collection agency. And that can hurt your credit score. Every third person you pass on the street has debt in collections. Can you believe that? If you have a debt collection, you go to get a new job. And let's say you're working as a, I don't know, kind of a data entry person. And your qualifications are good. You know, you're not bottom of the line. You're not top of the line as far as education requirements go. But you go to put in a new job applications, and both employees are Qualified. Both potential employees are qualified. Next thing you know, they get the job and you don't because you have a cell phone in collection. Like, really? Um, so the study found that 35.1% of people with credit cards, with credit records, had been reported to collections for debt that averaged $5,100 uh, in records up to September 2013. That's disturbing. That's a lot of money. That's not a cell phone. Well, maybe it's a cell phone. Someone who uses a lot of texting. Americans in collections remain relatively constant, even as the country as a whole has whittled down the size of credit card debt since the official end of the Great Recession. Nothing wrong with credit. I think that's a big mistake people tend to make, is that they, you know... Conventional wisdom is credit's bad. The reality is it's not. It's how you use credit. Um, this was kind of an interesting twist. Almost half of Las Vegas residents, a lot of them who just got crushed with the housing bust, have debt in collections. Other cities with big disproportionate number of people facing debt collections, Orlando, Jacksonville, uh, in Florida, Memphis, Tennessee, Columbia, South Carolina, Jackson, Mississippi. So it looks like the South, right? Other cities that have populations have largely managed to repay their bills on time, Boston, Honolulu, San Jose, very low credit debt. An average San Jose resident has $97,000 in total debt, with 84% of that tied to a mortgage. Because incomes and real estate values are higher than tech hub, residents are less likely to be delinquent. I don't know. I, I find that, again, you only have 20 to 60 years old to be able to work, and you have to kind of live off that. Um, be cautious. As you're pretty so be wise. Home prices gain slow for six straight months. So we're going to probably start feeling a little less rich. Because let's face it, you know, I look at houses in my neighborhood, in my city, how much they sold for. Because real estate is location, location, location. I don't really look at the national numbers from a personal perspective. Home prices in May 
rose at the weakest pace in 15 months. His sales remain modest in the spring buying season. The S&P 500 Case-Shiller Index, S&P Case-Shiller 20 Index, increased 9.3% in May from 12 months earlier, but that's down from 10.8% the previous month and the smallest annual gain since February 2013. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. Drop me an email rob at robblackshow.com. Investing in more. Um, Facebook plans to monitor user web browser browsing. Look, everyone's using your data, and everyone's using you as an experiment if you're on the web. But U.S. should investigate Facebook's plan to collect the web browsing activities of its users, to determine if the company is violating an agreement with the government to ensure people's privacy. So Facebook, the biggest social networking site, is routinely monitoring the website habits of its users. You can find this out easily by going to, like, Amazon and trying to find an ad for, not an ad, but a grill to cook on. And next thing you know, it's everywhere on your browsers. Like, that's, did I look at that browser? That's creepy. So the FTC's alarmed. Last month, Facebook said it would, you know, try to deliver more targeted advertising by viewing what you're doing on other sites. And uh, this is a lot of headline risk. It's a lot of headline risk. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Take a look at the market numbers. We have the S&P 500 up 5. We have Dow up 67. We've got the NASDAQ up 22. Joining me now, CFP. Chad Burton with NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. Chad specializes in retirement issues, financial planning issues. Um, these are issues that are kind of intense, expense planning for retirement income. What's the best way to go out trying to figure out cash flow projections and taxes and insurance and inflation? All things that are almost like dirty words mm-hmm. to people who want to live in just in the moment and not necessarily think about these big issues coming down the road. Yeah, I mean, well, there's a whole webinar on the website, New Focus Financial, that you can watch from your own home, and I go through the cost of retirement, all, this, all the ways that you have to calculate. I mean, first, the first thing is, it's not rocket science, it's called sitting down with a spreadsheet and tracking your expenses for a while to get a clear idea of what you spend on utilities and all the things to keep the lights on, but then focusing on what you want retirement to be like, what's going to get you out of bed, okay. keep you motivated, what your routine is the gym, the golf course, tennis, whatever it is, and find out what all those costs are. Realize that your travel costs are probably going to increase. Realize that you might be helping kids and grandkids more and putting that all into play and then saying, okay, here's my income need. Here's my accounts that I own, my IRAs that haven't been taxed, my low-cost basis stock, my high-cost basis stock. What's your individual taxes? I mean, it takes some hard work to really dial it down to make sure the final, you know, what you, do you really have enough to retire? In your 20s and 30s, you're saving 10 to 15% of pay, knowing that you'll probably be okay if you do that. But before you pull the trigger and retire, you got to know, am I really on track? Now, we got on the website, there's also the How Long Will It Last PDF that you can download. Okay. That shows you, it says, okay, it, su- it assumes that every year you draw more, 3% more for inflation. And you can clearly look and say, if I'm earning 6% on my money and I'm pulling out 6% a year, it'll tell you how long your money's going to last. And so you can at least get a basic idea once you've sat down and done your expenses and your tax calculations and your healthcare costs. I really don't think most people, and I'll give you an example in my life. Um, I don't think most people have the ability to do that, Chad. Um, family member, or in, the time, or the time, or the getting it close. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I've got a family member who just inherited some money. New car's already been bought for $60,000. Yep. Um, on top of that, new new Mac for a 70-year-old-plus woman who probably doesn't need all the computing power of a new Mac. Um, and yet, some of these expenditures are starting to add up fast. Right, right. So, um, what do we need to know when we do inherit some chunk of change? What's or just have any kind of a windfall. Windfall? Um don't do anything for a long period of time because it can take some counseling. Some people, Rob, have a mental block and feel like they should be broke, no matter what their situation is. Uh, you know, I, when I was really, really young in the business, I, I had a, I had a neighbor that got seven hundred thousand dollars from a Fenfen case, and Fenfen the medication, yeah, diet yeah. medication that caused heart problems. You know, and I tried to get him get her to invest over and over, and all of a sudden, new cars. Kids had new cars. The house oh. was being remodeled. They bought another house. She let her son move in rent-free to this house. He's having parties, destroying it. And sure enough, ran into one of the daughters, you know, about 15 years later, and mom's broke. $700,000 gone. Because some people have this mental thought that they don't deserve it or they shouldn't have it, and they make really quick decisions. They feel, like, anxious. There's There's nothing that you should be investing in that's going to go away right now. Anybody that's giving you that fire sale kind of a notion that you have to do something right now, don't work with them. When you look at a bucket list, um, I do something kind of similar with a Christmas list every year. Mm-hmm. I come up with a list of 10 people that I love and care about and that I want to get gifts for, and then I cross 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 off the list. <laughs> so I only get gifts for the top three people. Yep. And that's my way of keeping in with my budget. Um, and not get, because Chad, you don't care. You just buy bunt cakes for everybody, right? You and me, or the two of us know each other well, and you don't care if I get you a gift. You just want me to have a beer with you on occasion and, yeah. and say, good job. So we, yeah. oh, we basically I'm saying we over gift. It is. I mean, we're kind of at the point where people feel like they're supposed to do it. And if they don't, there's something wrong with you. I don't, and I, the, I, it could all go away and I'd be fine with it. And that goes back to the bucket list. I think you should have a bucket list of things you want to do, but I think you should keep the cost down as well and not yeah. just, you know, go wild. Seniors gone wild. What do you think? <laughs> you think Joe Francis is quaking in his boots? Let's do that. I'm sure there's already something like that on the internet. There always is. You know the worst thing I ever saw that just told me the decay in society was bum fights. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. There's almost nothing worse than that. There's a whole movie based on that too, like Bum with a Shotgun. No. Yeah. <laughs> bum with a Shotgun or get, something like that. I don't get to the movie theaters that you get to. It wasn't a movie. It was like a. One of those days where I don't watch that much TV, and I was flipping through it, and Bum with a Shotgun was on, and it was the whole thing started off because of the filming, a bum trying to do It's just horrible. That guy should be in jail. Nice. <laughs> it's CFP Chad Burton. That spot went downhill real quick. <laughs> it's okay. CFP Chad Burton talking retirement issues. These are all issues, and I think that was a real segment with real content. Um, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. He alluded to some good downloads of that site, so check it out, newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. El Polo Loco, the stock that's been really running quite fast and quite hard. It's a stock that can get you into a lot of trouble. It's an IPO, which means it's an initial public offering. It's the first time the, public's have ever, the public has ever been allowed to buy into it. Before that, insiders and founders and big investors were uh, gobbling up shares. The reason I say goodbye is because you're the last one to get in. So today it's a little bit lower. It was up 50% its first day of trading, 25% its second day of trading. Today it's down about 10%. Remember, everyone's going to get a better deal on it than you out of the gate. You're the last in. So be cautious with IPOs. Now, again, with Facebook, it worked out. Sometimes it doesn't for some of these companies. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. Big event coming up soon. Sign up for it at robblack.com. I will plan to be Success of New Focus Financial. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Some of the headlines out there today, Israel is stepping up attacks. China is probing a former top official under investigation for suspected serious disciplinary violations, making him the highest-ranking official targeted in a corruption crackdown. Um, those are kind of like the international headlines, supposedly, and I don't know much about this at this point in time, but China's going after Microsoft on some antitrust issues. Um, headlines. Headline risk is what that ties into. Um, what's going to happen to the billionaires in Russia? Headline risk. That's what we're, we're looking at there. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thank you. So we seem to be moving in the market on international headlines, maybe a little bit of earnings, and maybe a little bit of what will Janet Yellen do in 2015. So we're kind of discounting her immediacy and focusing a little bit more on earnings and uh, headlines. Is that about right? Yeah, I think that's fair because I think that the market has pretty much adopted the mindset that uh, there's not going to be anything really new coming out of the FOMC uh, tomorrow when it releases its directive. It's going to maintain the Fed funds rate you know, at that zero bound, uh, and it's going to be conscientious about not wanting to introduce heightened volatility with any you know, dramatic changes in its wording at this point. I think if, uh, if it's going to go down that road, it would probably prefer to do it at the September meeting when there's going to be a, a press conference as well to explain uh, any type of decision like that. So probably going to be pretty status quo, and so because of that, the market is trading around it and focusing more on uh, what has been a batch of uh, better-than-expected earnings result, results and a flurry of uh, geopolitical headlines that, you know, are worrisome on the surface, but uh, to date have not translated into any real hard economic impact that would force the uh, the market to uh, to question its assumptions about potential economic and earnings growth. I've been doing radio for pushing 20 years at some point. It's getting close. And what I've always said about the Middle East is they've been throwing sticks and stones at each other for 2,000 years and I've kind of, it's kind of always going to be there in my mind, and hopefully it never goes nuclear, but it's kind of always going to be there. Um, am I being too uh, too light by making it less, or by making it as frivolous sounding as possible? You know, I don't think so, Rob. I mean, I think your point is well taken. I mean, it is an issue that has always been there, and for as long as I can remember, it seems like any new president that comes into office is trying to going to, you know, tackle the, the peace accord between, you know, Israel and, and Palestine, and it continues to just go on in, in the fashion that it goes on, where you have these bursts of uh, more aggressive uh, armed action, and then that dies down. And, um, and, and I think what you're saying is that, you know, if it doesn't go uh, nuclear, which is obviously uh, a little bit bombastic, um, but it, I get what you're saying. You know, if it doesn't break out into a larger Middle Eastern conflict, the market uh, isn't going to be, you know, too unnerved by these developments. And in fact, you know, you look at oil prices today, and even though you've talked about uh, your lead-in about the headlines surrounding, you know, more activity in Gaza, uh, oil prices are down nearly a dollar today. Um, and that's been the mindset I think for this market is that it rec- recognizes that. This is something that we it has seen time and time again, uh, but as of yet, there hasn't been any disruptions to oil supplies out of the Middle East, and so it's not going to get too uh, caught up in uh, in the headlines there. Speaking of which, I'm looking at your page one from this morning, Patrick O'Hare's page one. Few earnings blues in the blue chip earnings reports. You highlighted Merck, Pfizer, International Paper, Aetna, Reynolds American, TRW Automotive, Waste Management. Illinois Tool Works is all exceeding expectations. Um, where do we feel we are in the earnings season at this point in time? Right. Well, we're you know moving you know pretty much halfway through it, and um, by all accounts, it has been you know better than expected. Uh, now that too is not really a surprise. I mean that's the trend as we go into an earnings reporting period. You see estimates come down in front of that, and then lo and behold, you get the companies beating. Lowered expectations, and so all of a sudden everything is better than expected. But, um, but what is uh, encouraging uh, at this point, though, is that uh, S&P 500 operating earnings per share is is pushing toward 
growth for the second quarter, and that's pretty solid. Um, you know, revenue growth still trailing behind at about 4%. Um, but all in all, I think you're seeing a pretty good earnings reporting period that, if nothing else, is providing a, uh, a, you know, an underlying measure of support here for the market as it handles and takes in all of the geopolitical noise and, uh, and all of the concerns about um, you know, the market potentially being overvalued. I mean, you're getting this underlying earnings growth, which is a, a key component here, I think, to keep things um, – uh, moving in a positive direction as opposed to just to imploding off of a headline or off the concern that you're on the cusp of a of a recession in both earnings and economic activity, which is you know we're not, and so uh, so that's holding things up very nicely. Yesterday, I did a report for the television station that I work for about how Congress is signing in, or President Obama is going to sign Congress's bill into allowing you and I to untether our cell phone, not our iPads, but our cell. And I asked the question on air, I'm like, what are they going to do about tax inversion in corporate America and companies leaving America? Like, this seems petty that we can now unlock our cell phone and not go to jail when there's this serious issue of companies paying too much tax in America, or they think they are, so they're relocating to other countries, um, and billions and billions of dollars in taxes are leaving our country and going to other countries. Any thoughts on some of the recent developments with Obama and potentially him using his powers to stop this from happening? Right. Well, I think you'd ultimately want to see it uh, resolved through a, a proper legislative process as opposed to just an executive edict. Um, but, uh, but the idea that's been exposed to all of us here is that, you know, it's just simply been a uh, bad tax policy, <laughs> you know, that has been written prior to this all occurring. And, and when it shows up in the way that it has, where it's pretty clear that American companies, while doing nothing illegal, are indeed looking to you know circumvent the existing tax law uh, to lower their tax burden by buying these foreign companies and then you know having a domicile in the in these uh, foreign uh, uh, geographies so that they can pay a lower tax burden and, you know it's pretty you know pretty uh, blatant <laughs> in terms of you know what they're trying to do and and you know who loses out in that respect. Uh, you know, the U.S. does, I mean, because you are going to have, you know, lower tax revenue coming in. And so, uh, but it does probably just get to the heart of the whole issue is that you need to rework, you know, tax policy overall. Um, and unfortunately, it's not going to be a quick or easy fix, given what we know about the uh, partisan nature of, of Congress, and certainly given that it's a midterm election year. And on the other side of that, you're going to start talking about the presidential campaign uh, for 2016. So uh, it's not going to be resolved quickly or easily, but uh, something that clearly needs uh, some attention uh, so we don't shortchange ourselves in terms of the tax revenue that can come in and hopefully uh, in some small way help keep taxes down for you know uh, individuals as well. Speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com, great website for independent analysis of the markets. Is there anything that you're working on? We've got about a minute, minute and a half. Anything that you're working on that will uh, shed a little light into the markets that we haven't chatted about already? Right. Well, the, it's a big week. You know, I think you alluded to there's a lot going on with the, um, with the GDP report coming out tomorrow for the second quarter. And then at the end of the week, you have the employment report. And so uh, what I'm going to be keen on anyway uh, is, you know, what are we seeing in that employment report as it relates to wage growth? Because that could change the dynamic for the Treasury market as well as the stock market. If it's if you start seeing a, a, a nice pickup in wage growth, it's going to uh, fuel some inflation concerns, and that should translate into higher interest rates and also an expectation that the Fed might have to raise rates sooner rather than later, and that could be problematic here in the very near term. So something to, that I'm certainly be keeping a, a close eye on here uh, as the rest of the week unfolds. Thanks very much. That's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing.com. You can find them on Twitter at Briefing.com or Trader in Play. They uh, are a service that I follow. The website provides independent live market analysis of the U.S. and international equity markets. It can be found at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. I highly, highly endorse, and I can pay that endorsement. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Small press release out of Apple today. Not much. 
Um, Apple updated its MacBook Pro line of laptops with a high-resolution retina display, faster processors, and a higher memory for a starting price of $1299. World's largest tech company also lowered the price of its older 13-inch MacBook Pro by $100 to roughly $1100. And again, they used that old retail trick of taking away the one, so instead of 1100 it's really 1099 um, And psychologically, we go, well, it's not, at least not 1100 So I can't say there's a lot in that story. Can you? It certainly doesn't feel like it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Discount stores are slowly dying. I think that's tied towards yesterday's conversation about Dollar Tree announcing that it would buy Family Dollar, a chain that is in the process of closing hundreds of stores and firing workers. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Security guard at television station said, hey, what do you think about this? It's kind of interesting, out of all the people that talk to me, he asked the best questions. You would think it would be like a analyst or map maker or something along those lines. But nope, security guard. Um, discount stores have been struggling. Walmart sales have declined for the past five quarters. There's just not enough money being deployed by American families to keep all the discount chains in business is what it comes down to. Dollar stores saw their heyday during the recession when middle-class shoppers came in to buy smaller, cheaper packages of household necessities, like toilet paper. And just because it's cheaper than the other store, keep in mind you're probably getting less of it as well. Middle-class shoppers have enjoyed the economic recovery, and they're leaving the dollar angle. Money spent by households earning less than 30000 has been flat since 2008. Total income for that group fell 1% between 2004 and 2012. So this merger of Dollar Tree and Family Dollar is going to further crunch Walmart. With 13,000 stores between them, the new dollar store will be in a position to better negotiate deals with suppliers. This could further challenge Walmart, which is already more expensive than the dollar chains. It's possible that no amount of discounting will win back these struggling shoppers. A cash-strapped shopper, i.e. consumer, can't keep buying forever, no matter how low prices go. Give up the soda. Give up the soda. So that's one of the stories that's out there. And it's, it's, I think, interesting. In a crazy, crazy, crazy mad world of finance, one of the things I said in the first hour was unconventional wisdom. Staying with that theme, sometimes unconventional thoughts can be a better way of making money or accumulating wealth. Renting a homeowner, renting a home. Homeownership obviously has benefits, but renting makes sense for those who plan to only be in their home for a short term. Besides, after taxes, the annual cost of owning a home is typically more than the cost of renting. There's a good price-to-rent ratio out there, website, um, trying to help you determine if renting may be right for you or not. Again, there's no right answers. You can guesstimate, but that's really all you're doing at this point in time. A um, couple other things that are maybe not conventional wisdom, but credit cards can help you accumulate wealth. A lot of people fear credit cards for good reasons. When they're used responsibly and wisely, they're valuable benefits that cash simply can't include. They give you consumer protections, 
cash dividends. They give you other rewards. They help you establish credit, which is especially valuable when shopping for a long-term credit tied towards homes and cars. Not paying off mortgage early. Do you want to do it in 15 years or 30 years? It seems like conventional wisdom says pay it off as soon as you can. But by doing so, you lose the advantage of having cash on your side, of having cash grow for you in other investments. And you know you have to watch out for high inflation environments. When a high inflation environment hits, it destroys your home value, especially the equity inside of it. Splurging could be good for you. If you've got an emergency fund, you're saving for retirement, you've eliminated all your credit card debt, splurging can help because I just talked about some things that aren't attractive. You know, save for retirement, eliminate credit card debt, build up your emergency fund on occasion. Yeah, it's called moderation. So I don't want to take enjoyment out of your life. One good thing, and it doesn't sound like a good thing, is letting your kids fail. Um, if they spend their money on ill-perceived purchases or ill-advised, I think is the right way of saying that, uh, they'll quickly learn. Experience is a terrific teacher. Those wasted dollars or money well spent, it's an invaluable investment in your kids' personal finance education. So when they spend all their money, and then they're like, got a bellyache because they ate too much candy, it's okay. Buying a used car. New cars are great, but used cars are better. New cars are extremely expensive. Um, the truth is, you know, you can live without the new car smell, and you'll get occasional maintenance and repair costs with a used car. But you also get maximum value by buying used instead of new. So you get 20 30% just right off the first mile it drives off the lot. It falls in value. Um Conventional wisdom, lending money to a family member, is a good thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing, right? Um, I think it's okay, as long as you're willing to accept that you may never get that money back. It's nice to help people, especially their family members. Um, filling a home with hand-me-down furniture. You know, good idea, bad idea. It's not against the law to buy a new home and then fill the rooms with hand-me-down furniture or even leave a room or two completely empty. It's actually a good thing. Patience is a virtue. I know, I know you just got a new house, or you're renting the new place, and you want to stack it up, stock it up, so to speak, with goodies. Uh, Finally, on this list of things that you can do to save money, is ask for a discount. If I pay cash, do I get anything off? You know, if I buy it today, will you give me 10% off? Um, it doesn't hurt to ask. You'd be surprised how often it works. Paying extra for quality, I think, is a smart thing to do. I think you save money if you get a great product versus an inferior product. Anyhow, we'll talk soon. You can find me online at robblack.com, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Big event's coming up. An all-day event's coming up. You can go look at that information at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative.
irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, I'm Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Um, this is the hour where I kind of get a little goofier and try to point out some things that, you know, are off topic, but kind of, um, business lessons like Michael Kors. Michael Kors makes high end watches and bags and they're ubiquitous and they're very stylish. Um, ask around some people, you know, and especially women, will likely know who Michael Kors is. But widespread popularity is oftentimes the kiss of death when it comes to brands. The life cycles of fashion are pretty brutal. And what's good today, or what's great today, in the future could be viewed as, eh, we need something edgier. Now, Kors has price points at different levels, and that's a strategy that can backfire pretty pretty fast. They have high-end department store brand. they got a middle market brand. They've got discount outlet stores. And they're essentially competing with each other at some point. Thus, they cannibalize the top end. There's no way around it. Other aspirational brands have seen a falling from grace. Coach once was a top aspirational brand in the world. It's been unraveling for years amid competition from Michael Kors and Tony Birch. Juicy Couture is in crisis after its signature sweatsuits fell out of fashion. About 70% of coaches' revenues now come from discounted outlet stores. While outlet stores are a great way for brands to make quick cash, they erode brand value over time. Once a brand is declared as too accessible and overexposed by its loyal customers, no amount of fashion trickery brings it back. So be cautious. Let's go to a call. Let's go to Randy from San Jose. Randy, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. What's up? Just wanted to get your opinions and thoughts on Twitter's earning call today. What do you think is going to happen? What, do you, what did you take on it? No one knows. Um, thanks for the call. I'll talk about it. Um, he's asking for a crystal ball. And I don't live in that world. I don't play that game. What I'll talk about will say that on the conference call, the spotlight's going to be on users when the companies report second quarter earnings stay after the market closes. Twitter's shown it can generate money from advertising. It's doubled revenue for the past five quarters. Analysts don't expect the three months through June to have been any different. Analysts, on average, expect earning revenue first, $283 million. That's up from $139 million during the same period last year. But with losses, they're not going to be making money. Or maybe they will. Analysts are expecting about a penny per share loss. So user growth is what I think everyone's fascinated by, trying to gauge its services viability as a business. After two very disappointing quarters, analysts aren't expecting a spurt in the last three months, whereas Facebook, they came out and and swacked it. Um, One analyst was quoted as saying he expects Twitter to have added just 8 million users in the quarter. Cantor Fitzgerald, on the other hand, says it'll have gained 15 million. It's a pretty big variance, huh? So Wall Street doesn't think at this point in time that the user base is big enough for Twitter. So Twitter plans to start quantifying its other audience, the people who don't sign into Twitter but are still exposed to its content, the logged-out audience, as they're referred to. Twitter's planning to introduce as many as four new metrics to illustrate the service's reach beyond the more than quarter billion people who log in at least once a month. So I'd say we definitely know that they're no Facebook, right? In the end, we're going to get back to basics with their, with their conference call. 
number of users who log into Twitter at least once a month. It's the single most important metric by the company, for the company, as far as the analysts are looking at. Uh, monthly users reached five, 255 million in the March quarter, a 5.8% increase. But that was well short of expectations. And you're still seeing a, a bigger company, Facebook, growing at a faster rate. Um, trying to get people, yes, that's important, but gate engagement just as important. So you're going to hear the word engagement. Number of minutes visitors spent on service dropped 1.7% from the March quarter. Uh-oh. How's mobile advertising going? The mobile app install? And there's been a little bit of an executive shuffle recently. A slew of executives that basically cashed out at the IPO. Worked for a couple of years, made millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars and moved on. So I think that's what you can expect. Um to not blow you off and give you some other insight into the company, um, what the analysts are saying per se, and uh, what to expect. Um, I have the, here that they're reporting on Thursday, but I think they're reporting today. So I have two different reporting dates. They just bought a company called Bizo, B-I-Z-O, uh, Business Business Solutions with Content Marketing Products. $175 million. That's one of the things that Facebook and companies like Twitter could use is their shares to go out and buy other companies. So, um, hmm. take a look at some other things out here. Oracle Social Cloud announced LinkedIn support for its comprehensive social relationship management platform press release. Um, you might remember that Janet Yellen kind of took a shot last week at social media companies. That's worthy of throwing out there. Uh, data and analytics are improving ad targeting and conversion rates. That has uh, become necessary. LinkedIn's pretty well positioned for that, as is Salesforce.com and Twitter. The call was about Twitter. Yeah. Making sure I'm not getting LinkedIn's earnings confused with Twitter's. Uh, could happen. So Facebook launched a photo video sharing app called Slingshot. And those kind of things come out as kind of like headlines. So you do kind of want to pay attention to what Twitter's doing right and what Twitter's doing wrong. Let's see. TWTR. Give me one more second. Um, yeah, okay. So one analyst sees revenue doubling to $279 million. Investor sentiment regarding monthly active users skews negative given recent challenges and growing users. Expect that figure was decent in the quarter. Focus more closely on engagement and monetization rates. Monthly average users climbed 23% over the prior year and 5.5% sequentially. In a way, they're going to follow Facebook, kind of. Um, anytime Facebook has great news, it's good news for Twitter. So analysts expect Twitter and other companies like Facebook to keep continuing to share from traditional advertising sources. But they will start to decelerate inside the space. Twitter's valuation is amongst the highest in the coverage of 2200 for one tech firm. It looks pretty neutral. No one's really jumping up and down for this one. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. We'll take a break here. Be right back.
You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Herbalife, the nutritional supplements company, down 11% today. Their numbers fell short of Wall Street expectations. Corning, the maker of TV glass, screen glass, um, and cell phone glass, reported a sharp drop in second quarter earnings due to acquisition costs. El Polo Loco shares the Mexican fast food chain have more than doubled in two days since the IPO. Now down about 9%. Winners, though, Darden Restaurants, their CEO stepping down. Another winner, Windstream Holdings, they're going to turn part of their company into a REIT, again, to avoid taxes. Plug Power said it received an additional order from Walmart for its Keygen hydrogen fuel cell power package. And one final one, Twitter. We talked about it last segment. Social network and microblogging services expected to report a one-cent loss tonight. Swinging to a profit would be obviously something that Wall Street would say, hey, first quarter of profits, good. That's what we're working with at that point, though. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. The SP 500 is down one. The Dow's up. P. Chad Burton. You can find him and his financial planning firm at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. They say that corporations are living beings, and that's why I don't really trust earnings season, because as a living being, as a human, I kind of know that I manage my taxes. I kind of like massage it, that, yeah, let's run it through the program one more time and see if I can get more money. With that said, let's not get caught by the IRS. (laughs) What are some of the flags that the IRS might see? So what are some of the flags that cause your return to be highlighted for a potential audit? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, this, the simple one nowadays is making too much money. So your chance of being audited for most of America is pretty low. It's 1.11%. But as soon as you hit 200000 or more in income, that quadruples. It's about 4%. So if you make that much, there's a 25% chance that you're going to get audited. So if you're making over $200,000, probably going to get audited now in the next four years. Okay. And if you're $1 million or more, you know – it's a real high likelihood in the next two years you're probably going to get audited, especially based on new tax laws that were passed, making sure people are compliant. So that's that's one. Another big one is, um, especially for people that contract, they do a lot of contract work, yeah. or they work for somebody with a W-2, and then um, they do some contract work, and they may lose the 1099, but the IRS gets a copy of it. Don't think that you're the only one that gets a copy of that 1099. So failing to report all of your taxable income, your 1099s from your brokerage firm, from your bank accounts, um, W-2s, all of that stuff. So as soon as you do something where you forget to report a little amount, maybe it's $1,000, oh. that's a red flag for an audit. Because they say, we received 11 out of 12. We received 12 documents. You submitted 11. Ding, 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 ding. It's pretty easy math to catch someone. Yeah, because then they assume that you've consistently been lying, and they're going to go back and look at even more returns, yeah. put you under the microscope. You remember I dated an IRS agent in college, right? Yeah, how did that end up for you? Not so good. Yeah. Got a couple audits. <laughs> so. so charitable deductions is another big one because laws have kind of changed over the last couple of years and people used to kind of inflate their drop-offs at Goodwill or whatever that may be. There's a form 8283 for donations that you make over $500. So as soon as you file that, your chances of an audit increase. So that's unfortunate. You, you know, if you do give more in your legitimately giving more, yeah. you're filing that form, it actually is a bit of a red flag. So people that do that, if you make higher income, if you do a lot of charitable giving, if you have stock options and, and contract work, remember, if you get audited, wow. it's the CPA that represents you in front of the IRS agent, and they know how to do that meeting. Let you me, don't. Let me show you how most audits start. You submitted 2009 taxes that said you owed this. We see that you actually owe two times that. It starts with a letter. Right. It doesn't start with them coming to your door, knocking on it, Mr. Black, we're here to seize your property. It starts with, we disagree. There's a deficiency, so you're guilty until proven innocent, so prove that you're innocent. Right. And if you can't prove you're innocent, we eventually will levy your accounts. <laughs> so um, it's you know it's something that you want to get on top of right away because any deficiencies, if they're true deficiencies, have really, really high interest rates and penalties that really add up. It's really tough to go bankrupt against the IRS. Absolutely. It stays on your record a long time, too. And they'll take a little $50 payment here or there, but they want their payments. Yeah. You know, another big one is people that claim the home office deduction. <laughs> and this gets really, really messy. I did that when people I was like talk 22. about yeah, it's, it's such a – it's not worth the hassle. No. I'm telling you right now, it's not worth the hassle um, in terms of, you know, people try to write off all of their, you know, a huge amount of their rent or taxes or utilities and phone bills for their home office deduction. Cable modem. I used to write off that cable modem every year, and then I'm like, you know what? 
I'm not going to do it this year. <laughs> so, and it's supposed to be exclusive use. So, you know, that that's the issue right there. So, you're, you're doing a lot of home office deductions. Get ready for that audit in the next four years. Anything else that we need to know? We've got about a minute left. Gosh, you know, people claiming a lot of rental losses or claiming they're active in real estate, so they don't. There's there's you know twenty five thousand dollar allowance, but people try to get more than that if they say they're active. Um, deducting business meals, if you have a huge amount there, that's going to get audited more than likely. Claiming a hundred percent use of a vehicle as business, nobody uses you know unless you're getting the corporate car yeah. and you have your own separate cars for personal use. That doesn't typically happen. And a big one, Rob, is people that try to start a business and it loses money for more than three years. And really, what it is is a hobby. Maybe it's you know selling candles or whatever it may be. Herbalife. <laughs> as soon as you use that as a business and you've lost money for more than three years in a row, the IRS is going to start looking at it as a, ho- as a hobby, and you're going to put yourself under the We know a guy spotlight. whose wife sells Brazilian jewelry or something like rainforest jewelry, mm-hmm. and it ain't ever going to make money. It's, just, <laughs> it's a hobby to keep his wife from nagging him. <laughs> Don't comment on that one, but uh, a cash business that does it, failing to report foreign bank accounts is a real big issue these days for people. So if you're doing anything in you know Mexico, that's got to be reported. Um, and currency transactions, and you know if you if if you look at your return and you take higher than average deductions than most people in your area, that's a red flag. So those people that do that, they really need to have a good CPA on their side to do the tax returns. You know, I wouldn't use TurboTax; I'd use a professional. Yeah, if you, uh, professionals can cost you twenty five hundred to four thousand dollars though. Well, that's a high end return, but yeah, yeah, it's for the average self employed, it probably won't be that much, but. It's it's worth having a good enrolled agent or CPA. CFP Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He is friends with the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> friends with the IRS. CFP Chad Burton. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The big winner of the whole Donald Sterling thing. <laughs> Racism, selling off his company, selling off his team. Could be the players. California judges told the embattled former owner that the former team is clear to be sold despite his protests. When the players see the amount of money on the deal and they do collective bargaining, they're going to say, why did we take a pay cut last time around? A deal like this should give players one enormous bargaining chip when it comes time to negotiate their next deal. Right now they're under a bit of a rudderless ship, though. they got to get on the same page. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Big event coming up. All-day event, one for wealth accumulation, one for wealth management. You can sign up for the events and learn more about them at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. So I just replayed an interview with Patrick O'Hare from the first hour. I've replayed it in the second hour. Let me know what you think of it. I think he does a great job, and I'm kind of hoping, kind of thinking that um, we as a nation, we as a group, can get to the point where uh, we educate ourselves as much as possible. And I think he does a really, really nice job. If for some reason you don't want me to do replays like that on occasion, let me know. Uh, I listen to you. I think the market's still playing by the Fed rules at this point in time. When I go to other people's house, I play by the rules. They take off their shoes before they go in the house, I take off my shoes. 
So who makes rules? That's what you should talk to, you know, about. I know the day is coming that, you know, um, the responses that you get, you know, start to mature and start to change. Um, instead of what's a question, it's, it's suddenly what's a statement. I'd rather, you know, not have to uh, talk to you like this, but I think Janet Yellen makes the rules right now, for better or for worse. Earnings dominate Wall Street over time, but in the short term, sometimes it's like scenarios, like a Janet Yellen or Middle East peace package or not. For the vast majority of the last five years, the stock market's behaved very, very well. Every now and then, it's gotten a little out of line, never more so than during the debt ceiling debacle of 2011, when the SP 500 declined as much as 17% over four weeks. An eventual agreement to raise the debt ceiling stopped that meltdown. And since then, the SP 500 hasn't seen a pullback that's exceeded 10%. And the rules are the rules. Who makes the rules? History is filled with corrections. They're normal and they're healthy. I think some of the things that we're wondering about that could cause dips, hard landing in China. Uh, I don't see that scenario. Chinese authorities seem to be pumping more and more stimulus measures into their economy. About weeks earning growth, I don't see that as a big cause to worry about out there at this point in time. They're much better now than they were six months ago, and that statement should hold true for the next two quarters. Deflation in the Eurozone, uh, the ECB is doing everything they can to prevent that from happening, making interest rates you know, below zero. How about a debt default by Congress in the United States? I think Congress got the message loud and clear, don't do that. If they didn't, they're ignorant, which I guess I'm not going to be surprised of. Israel battling with Hamas, widening into a broader Middle East conflict that disrupts oil supplies. That would lead to a super, a super spike in oil prices. That so far is being avoided. And there's no recession in the United States. Those are the areas where I think that we could have, you know, that big correction. And right now they seem to be, you know, held pretty well. Confidence is high right now, and they understand the Fed as the stock market's back based on the words of the Fed itself. Um, there's rules, and then there's rules. You know, rules say that we should have a correction. Uh, but the thing about rules is just because you have them don't mean they're good rules. Um, you know, some parents are going to let their kids, you know, down pop rocks and Coca-Cola at the same time. Most don't because it, it violates the house rules, but some will do it. Um, so people work with the, the rules that they have. No policy or rule has been more effective in driving the reach for yield, promoting the buy-the-dip mentality. Anytime the 10-year treasury is under 4.5%, I buy. Under 4%, I buy stocks. I've been loading up on stocks for five-plus years. I've been trimming debt, uh, bonds. One-third of Americans are down in debt. Um, I get it. SP 500 is down three. The Nasdaq's down three, up three. The Dow's up, down nine. Yeah. Let's try that in English. SP 500 is down three. The Dow's down nine. The Nasdaq up two. Ten-year Treasury bonds it's at 2.45%. I'm buying stocks. It's that kind of simple. I don't overthink this. The Fed has said repeatedly that income data would be its best policy guide. Yet you have to recognize the risk that the market starts off sooner on its own path of the incoming data, and saying that the Fed's behind. So that would be acted out. Right now, the market is staying within the rules. You know, when the rules change by edict from the Fed or by the whims of the market, the air of invincibility will be sucked out of the market and the confidence will go fast. So be ready for it. Know that you should be building some cash or some defensive positions going into 2015. We're halfway through 2014. I'm not negative. I'm not being scared. I'm not being panicked. Prudent risk management thing to do is don't get burned. So when the change happens, again, confidence will jump out of the market. 
we got some clear evidence today of a weakening in housing. Yearly price gains slowed in 18 out of 20 cities. We saw some horrible horror stories where 35% of the United States is facing debt collectors. FedEx has hired Barry Bonds lawyers for the drug case. In large part, they knowingly shipped packages from illegal online pharmacies, and they're being sued over it, and they're getting drug attorneys. U.S. confidence jumps in July as consumers see better days ahead. Some would see that as a contrarian indicator. China's probing Microsoft over anti-monopoly issues. Dollar Tree buying Family Dollar could be bad news for Coca-Cola and Clorox, companies that sell goods. It'll put some pressure on them to have lower prices, whether it's Hershey, Clorox, drink suppliers, household goods, food, you get the idea. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.